Spoiler alert. This is a Dissecting Dexter podcast, reviewing Dexter Season 5. There will be plot information for Season 5, and possibly previous seasons. You have been warned. Hi everyone, welcome back to Dissecting Dexter. I'm your host, Gareth Watkins, and back again this week with another review of another Dexter episode. Great stuff this week again uh, with Season 5, Episode 8, Take It. Now we're going to be delving into the episode very shortly with uh, with the usual sort of recap review type thing. Um, firstly, I just want to say a, a quick word by way of... Well, I feel like I want to apologise because last week's episode, um, I think I, I said on Twitter that um, apologies for it if it seems a bit rushed. Um, I've been really busy at work lately and um, I've just not had enough time to put as much into uh, producing the, the the last episode as, as I would have liked. Um, so I did feel that my review section last week uh, was certainly um, not as... Not as full of analysis as I usually like to uh, like to give. It was well, a bit more of a recap than um, than a sort of in-depth dissection. Um, so apologies for that if anyone thought that um, it came across um, not quite as uh, as analytical as uh, previous episodes. So apologies for that. Um, this week uh, again, I've been busy at work and uh, with some family stuff. Um, so I've not been able to devote as much time in preparation as uh, as I would have liked. However, I am keen to crank one of these out every week and keep up with the series. Um, I think it's important to get at least something out each week and, and, and keep up with the show as it airs. Now, that, that's not to say I've, uh, I'm shortchanging you. Uh, this week there is the usual um, episode review and sort of semi-recap. I try not to go into... I, I don't detail every scene, um, but I try to comment on as much as I can uh, that happened in the episode. We've also got the usual listener feedback section. After last week's bumper mailbag, um, not quite as much to go through this week, but uh, what I have... Um, been sent is appreciated as always we've got a couple of emails and a listener voicemail to to go through um and as as ever uh, we'll have a a very brief preview of what's of what might be coming up in the next episode um so let's get on uh, and and look at at take it um ratings wise Take It received 1.94 million viewers, which was up from the 1.9 of last week. And <clears throat> as far as I can tell, this might be the highest episode of the season so far, with the exception of the premiere. Um, so that's really good. The episode was written by Manny Koto and Wendy West. And we've talked about Wendy West before. And Manny Koto is one of the new um, executive producers of the show. And he comes from um, very much a 24 background. Um, uh, you worked for a long time on 24. So good to have him on board. Director this week was Romeo Taroni, um, returning for his second episode this season. Um, OK, let's dive in, shall we? We start 
in slightly unusual fashion. Rather than Dexter's normal voiceover bringing us in, we have a Jordan Chase promo. Dexter's there, but not really listening. He's, of course, getting close and planning his move on Cole. Incidentally, I know these sorts of charismatic, motivational speakers are quite common in the US, but are they an exclusively American phenomenon? We just we just don't seem to get these sorts of big money events here in the UK like this, at least not that I know of. These guys seem to be like celebrities. I mean, we've got plenty of so-called celebrities here in the UK for doing a lot less, but do other countries have this sort of glitzy, motivational... Um, life coaching event. Uh, this, the scene actually made me think of uh, Tom Cruise's character in Magnolia. Frank Mackey, I think he was called, but he was slightly more crude in his delivery. But <laughs> I digress for a change. Um, I was just just made me think. Um, okay, so yeah, I, I love Dexter's opening line here where he says, I've never been around so many people who've made me feel normal. Pause to look at strange guy shouting at him, really normal. It feels almost like mass hysteria as the crowd are all so into it. Have any of you been to something like this? Any of the listeners? Do you really get swept up by the atmosphere and almost, I don't know, seduced by it all? It's a peculiar phenomenon, but perhaps it helps a lot of people and (laughs) makes others extraordinarily wealthy. But I digress again. Sorry. There's another good bit when Dexter seems to have nodded off and wakes up to hear Jordan announcing, You're all going to die! And now he's paying attention, but you see a flash cross his face like he's thinking, What? And then he looks over at Cole and thinks, Some of us sooner than others. And then Jordan says exactly the same thing, and Dexter looks back, probably thinking, Okay, now this is spooky. Things took an intriguing turn when Cole approached Dexter and said Jordan Chase wanted to see him. And you can imagine Dexter's discomfort when he discovered that Jordan knew quite a bit about him. And he seemed to know a few things about Trinity too. He seemed to be seemed to be trying to provoke Dexter, emphasising how Trinity is still out there unpunished. But I didn't get the feeling that he had Dexter pegged for breaking into Cole's house, though. More that he saw... Maybe he saw an opportunity to get a new client. One who works in the very police department investigating the dead girls his his gang is responsible for. Perhaps probe Dexter for information on the investigation. Although that'd be risky without drawing suspicion. Oh, sorry about that. That noise just then. I don't know if you heard that. There was someone standing near the car and they were blowing their nose. God love them. So, Dexter lets Lumen write in on his M.O., roping her in to do the shopping of all things. She looks a little apprehensive, maybe a little pang of nervousness at his confidence and well, ambivalence to setting up a kill, although it's an ambivalence that we're well used to. She's also had a little reminder of her old life to make her pause to think. The side story of Lumen's ex-fiancé, Owen, turning up in Miami. He didn't have much charisma, did he? Uh, She'd be much better off with with a ruthless serial killer, wouldn't she? So much more fun. But Owen, he obviously still loves Lumen, but she's just not the same girl that he knew. She's so very different now, even if it doesn't outwardly show. Plus, she's on a personal vendetta mission now. Why would she 
why would she want this guy hanging around and getting in the way? She lets him down and I'm glad, but it did serve to show us that she's not going back to her old life, certainly not until she's seen to those who abused her. And once it's all done, I doubt she'll be going back ever. Did you think... Dexter looked almost teary-eyed in that scene when she told him about Owen. The prospect of her leaving in the middle of the hunt seemed to rattle him. He asked me to go away with him. Just up and leave all this behind. As if I could. You could, you know. Do you want me to go? If you want to, go. This is the only part of my life that makes sense anymore. This is the only part of her life that still makes any sense. Sound familiar? I like the setting up of Cole's kill with Dexter booking the room next door under a pseudonym, you'd assume, and then him picking the lock on the door between rooms, counting the number of paces to the bed in, uh, because he'd be jabbing him in the dark, having Lumen help him cover his room in plastic, and her fascination with the routine, how meticulous Dexter is, realising he'd been doing this long before Boyd, yet she's not repulsed by it. I'm not sure if she's just so resolute about killing her abusers that she'll go along with whatever Dexter does. After all, he's clearly the expert, and she needs his help. Or is she darkly excited by the hunt? The anticipation of sweet revenge, perhaps darkly excited by the kill itself. Time will tell. The moment when Cole returns to his room and we hear a girl screaming, that was a chilling moment, and a nice twist when we think he's attacking someone only to find it's something a little different. But Dexter looks round and sees Lumen there with her hands over her ears, terrified. I loved how he put his own hands over hers to help block out the noise. That was a really nice touch and a moment illustrating the bond de uh, developing between them. How, how Dexter feels protective of her. Oh, what about the scene with Jordan dragging Dexter up on stage just as he goes off to get Cole? As much as it put a spanner in Dexter's plan, it did give us a good moment with Dexter talking about finding Rita's body, finding Harrison in the blood. You can see he's very troubled to talk about it. But what a twat Jordan is, though, putting him in the spotlight like that and having talk about the most disturbing thing publicly. And we see Lumen watching him on the screen, hearing for herself what he experienced, giving her a further insight into this man she's attached herself to. And despite Jordan's questionable action of getting Dexter up there, perhaps just for dramatic effect at his, his uh, money-spinning event, he does have some astute observations about Dexter having a hunger to feel whole again. I didn't get the impression Jordan had any intention of humiliating or embarrassing Dexter, but I wonder if helping him was secondary to generating more clients from the assembled crowd. I also enjoyed the tension when Lumen bumped into Cole. You just knew that was going to happen. Julia Stiles did a good job of portraying the terror and panic. Cole breaking down the interconnecting door, though, to go and kill Lumen. How is he going to explain that? Explain the damage to the hotel? Fingerprints everywhere? 
He perhaps made a hasty decision, and of course it ended up costing him his life. Dexter got there just in time, didn't he? But then I never thought he wouldn't. I did think they could have pressed Cole a bit harder for the names of his accomplices. They could have made more effort to pressure something out of him. Dexter was a bit quick to go for the kill, I thought. You could see the morbid fascination on Lumen's face when the blood slide was taken, and then the look of something like peace, and then sympathy for Dexter when he starts to talk openly. I'll play the clip because it's key to the whole season, I think, letting Lumen know how it all began. You said I'd done this before, that's true. This is who I am. When I was a child, my mother was murdered in front of me. Shattered me. I've done this ever since. Because for the longest time, it was the only way I could feel unbroken. And then Rita was killed, and none of this made sense anymore. He wonders if anyone can live with the truth of what he is. I've asked the question before of whether Luma will survive the season because the track record of people who know Dexter's truth, well, it's a pretty non-existent survival rate, isn't it? Luman takes the bloodslide and the entire scene feels quite crucial to the series as a whole. It's a turning point for Dexter, certainly a turning point for his relationship with Luman. You can see she feels sad for him, and Dexter wonders if she's what will make him whole. For the character of Dexter, wouldn't it be great if she would, and save him needing to kill people to keep him going? Although, of course, that could be an L in the coffin for this series. I like the moment outside the hotel, with Dexter talking to Jordan, with Cole's head swinging in a bag on the luggage trolley. And of course, Jordan says the words Lumen had spoken before, confirming that Jordan is one of her abusers. And then we get the final scene with them dumping Cole's bits in the ocean. I'm very excited to see where the Stan Liddy story goes from here. He has photos of them dumping Cole body parts in the ocean. We don't know, of course, if he knows that the bags contain body parts. How much... Does he know of what went on in the hotel room, I wonder? Maybe not a lot, but he's seen and photographed enough to whet Quinn's appetite. I liked his less than subtle attempt to identify Lumen earlier in the episode, and he properly cemented himself as a bad guy in the scene in Quinn's kitchen. What a prick, eh? He could have Quinn and Dexter wanting him dead by the end of the season. Actually, I'm surprised he was able to get the photos of Dexter on the boat, even with a long lens. We'd seen Dexter start to dump his bodies much further out to sea, straight into the Gulf Stream, after the season two Bay Harbour Butcher storyline had his dumping ground being discovered by divers. I'd have thought Liddy would have had to follow them in a boat, but the scene suggested he took the photos from the shore, which demonstrates enormous slackness on Dexter's part. So, elsewhere in the episode, uh, Officer Manzone turns on Deb and backs up LaGuerta's twisted version of events at the nightclub. 
And after Deb stuck up for her in the earlier meeting with LaGuerta, bloody charming. But LaGuerta's back to the career-minded, egotistical, covering her own ass shitbag that we've not seen for quite a while, as if we needed any further excuse not to like her. Prior to that, it was great to see LaGuerta squirming, knowing she was in deep shit, but you just felt she was going to find a patsy and save her own ass. But we get a tiny hint of what's to come when Batista accompanies Yasmin's mother to identify her body. She was, of course, the girl who helped the police last week and got herself killed for her trouble. And Batista, see, Batista, Batista sees firsthand the impact of his wife's bad decision. I liked the scene near the end with Deb when he revealed his support for her. He's obviously disappointed with his wife's dishonesty. He obviously can't respect her after that. And he says he thinks of Deb as a kid sister, which is sweet. Deb, well, she doesn't feel bad about killing Carlos Fuentes, although she thinks she should. The first meeting with LaGuerta and Deb was interesting, in which Deb spoke very frankly and strongly to her, her superior, and in no uncertain terms, peppering her words with expletives. I was just a little bit surprised, even though we know Deb's a potty mouth. She held nothing back talking to her boss. It showed how strongly she felt about telling the truth and not letting someone innocent take the fall. It also showed how guilty LaGuerta feels underneath letting Deb talk to her like that. The later meeting, she was pretty unrest- uh, sorry, pretty restrained, considering, but she got in a good comment about Batista that stung. I like the scene with Quinn trying to help Deb feel better about things, advising her on the best route to take to get back at LaGuerta. It's interesting for someone like him to advise on a passive option, given what a corrupt man he seems to be. It's funny seeing him giving out career advice. He seems sincere, though, and I'm still not certain how much he genuinely feels for her, but there are signs he really cares for her. Deb had an enlightening chat with Dexter in this episode, relating to that comment I made about her not feeling bad about killing Carlos Fuentes. She says about how she doesn't feel bothered by it, and it seems this was the first time she's killed anyone. I was surprised at first, but when I thought about it, in five seasons, I can't remember another time. Can anyone else? So, this is a very big moment in her life, and it seems to sit all right with her. I'm sure it helps that the guy was a murderer who'd not hesitate at killing again. Just the sort of person Dexter likes to target. An interesting coincidence, perhaps. And she's surprised how she doesn't feel bad about it, though. Dad once told me that some people deserve to die. You believe that? You believe some people deserve to die? Some people don't deserve to live. Trinity should be dead, not Rita, not Lundy. Maybe the world is better off without Carlos Fuentes. Dexter obviously has rather a lot of insight into dealing with killing people, but he was very careful about what he said there. Okay, so another strong episode this week. Um, I'll talk at the end a little bit about um, how I feel uh, things stand at the moment, Uh, but let's get into some listener feedback and hear about what you guys thought. Listener Feedback 
Okay, feedback this week. Uh, firstly, a quick thank you to Axel Foley, who has kindly left a very nice iTunes review. Thanks very much, Axel. Um, Axel is a, uh, a well-known podcaster, certainly in the Lost community. Um, he did a very good Lost podcast called Lost Mythos Theorycast. And he is now part of a new podcast called Podtourage, which you can find on iTunes. Axel and uh, three friends discuss we'll discuss a whole variety of topics, from TV and film to um, oh, <laughs> money budgeting and um, how people's ignorance winds you up and uh, the, the perils and pitfalls of Twitter and all sorts of things. Great podcast if you want to listen to it. Um, so thanks again, Axel. Okay, uh, let's move on to emails. Writer Gal has emailed again and she writes, Still loving your podcast. In fact, it's the only one I listen to anymore. Anyway, two things to mention this week after viewing episode 8. First, it occurred to me that Rita was the perfect woman for Dex, as Deb frequently said, but only as she related to the external, artificial Dexter. He began to date her because he wanted camouflage. She was the perfect, wounded, slightly wimpy, though she did get stronger, homemaker and mum who fit his external persona of lab geek and mild-mannered donut man. Lumen, on the other hand, seems to be the perfect woman for Dexter's internal man. She's seen the real Dexter, she's participated in his ritual, and she gets it. Plus, she seems a lot brighter, no pun intended, than Rita, who just didn't pick up on some things. Lumen is a quick study, and frankly, in creating her, the writers have created a partner who is worthy of Dexter. Smart, brave, courageous, spunky and determined. Dexter seems to realise this too. Love for Dex will never be goopy and gooey, but rather a deliberate decision that someone is precious to him. That's what he feels for Deb, Cody and Asta, Harrison and now Lumen. But only with Lumen can he be himself. I'm very curious to see how the season will end up. I can't quite envision a crime-fighting duo, superheroes anyone, but I could see a life where they coexist as partners, unless Julia Stiles' contract isn't renewed, of course. Second point, in former seasons we got an extensive workup of one primary nemesis, the ice truck killer, Nutty Lila, Dokes, Miguel Prado, Trinity, and now we seem to have a team of killers, but I'm betting there's an instigator, a leader of the pack, Looks like it will be Jordan Chase, unless the writers have someone hidden away. And like all good writers, in past episodes we got some psychological background on each of these villains, so I'm curious to see what Jordan Chase's background is. With only four episodes left, I have a feeling we're going to be on a roller coaster. LaGuerta showed her ruthless side this week, a side we haven't seen since that early season where she had an affair with the new lieutenant's fiancé. Bad girl, isn't she? And next week's title teenage wasteland has made me wonder do you think Aster is coming back or could that be a reference to where our current crop of bad boys met thanks for the chat writer gal well thanks again for writing in another great email with uh, with some really good observations so to address your points uh, I think you're quite right uh, you, you talked last time about Lumen perhaps being the perfect match for Dexter and I had to agree with you um, and, and my opinion hasn't changed this week. In fact, it's getting stronger. And you're right, Rita was the perfect woman for Dexter's exterior, his facade. Although, I think, he, well, we, we know, don't we? He did genuinely grow to 
to love her. And, and his life with Rita and the children was was the most important thing to him. And he had that epiphany, didn't he, last season? Yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated to see this relationship with Lumen develop. Um, whether it's here for the long term, well, it's here for the season, but any further than that, I don't know. Um, it'll depend on Julia Stiles' contract, I'm sure. Your second point about having a lot more background on the primary nemesis. Yeah, we've seen bits and bobs about about the bad guys this season, but, but certainly not to the extent that we have previous villains. It's an interesting possibility that there could be someone else behind the scenes pulling the strings. We may find that Jordan's not the ringleader. And and that's that's a distinct possibility. That's a good possibility. Clearly they've known each other a long time and uh, I think we're going to I think more's going to be revealed about the history of, of this gang. Um, and maybe that's what the title of the next episode refers to. I I talk a little bit about more a, a little bit more about that in the preview section. But I think Teenage Wasteland refers to refers to the gang knowing each other since their, their teen years. But we shall see. Okay, we've got an email another email from Paris Hardy in Alabama, who says A lot packed into this one. Forgive me for jumping around a bit. From the opening scenes we were thrown right into the middle of one Jordan Chase's cultish seminars with Dexter on the prowl. I definitely felt uncomfortable for him in the midst of a sea of screaming followers. His comment about never having been around so many people that made him feel normal was right on the mark. It was a shock to find out just how aware Jordan was of Dexter, his family and the Trinity case. Creepy? Jumping ahead to the police department debacle, I really thought LaGuerta was going to do the right thing after Deborah talked to her. Of course not. She completely stabbed Deborah in the back. As much as I love the actress Lauren Velez, I think I officially hate the character of LaGuerta. Though, I wonder if the writers are doing this so that they can get rid of her. I was glad that Batista decided to back Deborah instead. As far as Quinn goes, I'm starting to wonder if maybe his heart wasn't really into the whole Dexter investigation as much as his pal Liddy. I think he really does love Deborah. Either that, either way, that's probably about to change for the worst. Deborah and Dexter's conversation on the subject of those who deserve to die was a major foreshadowing. She's so close to the truth, it's scary. I continue to enjoy the Dexter-Lumen relationship. Seeing him return to form and fully reveal himself to another person at the same time was awesome. The final scene of Liddy flipping through his camera with shots of Dexter and Lumen dumping Cole's body has to be one of the best cliffhangers so far. Good episode. OK, thanks, Paris. Yeah, that last scene, um, I, I watched the show with my wife and we both gasped when we saw uh, Liddy flipping through the photos. That was a shock. Uh, and we kind of forgot, oh yeah, he is following them, isn't he? Or certainly following Lumen. Yeah, Deborah has been... Yeah, she's been kind of skirting round, although unknowingly to her. She's not been far for the from the truth on more than one occasion. Remember the doorstep conversation she had with Dexter at the end of season four when she um, talked to him about finding out about um, Brian Moser being Dexter's brother. It's one of the show's long-running will-they-won't-they prospects as to whether Deborah will ever find out the truth about Dexter. I think it's got to come before the show eventually bows out. But will it happen sooner or later? Time will tell, but it's it's one of the things that keeps me hanging on. 
Um, La Guerta, yeah. Well, no surprise to hear that um, you're you're <laughs> in the the La Guerta hate club. Um, you and and the rest of the world, I think. Uh, and and she's firmly cemented her place um, in in my bad books this week. Um, and I, I I do think she could be on her way out now. Um, hopefully so. Yeah, I too was pleased to see uh, Batista sticking up for for Deborah or, or looking like he's going to. Um, whether he goes through with his truthful reports or not, we shall see next week, no doubt. OK, so thanks again, Paris. Great email. Thanks for writing in again. OK, finally, we go to a voicemail. Hey, Gareth. Love the podcast. I listen to it weekly. Got to tell you, you're making this episode... I'm sorry, you're making this season a lot more enjoyable than it really should be because, as we all know, this season and season three are neck and neck for worst seasons of Dexter yet. But I must say that they really stepped it up last episode, and I wanted to call and point out that I like seeing Dexter in his domestic lifestyle, but this was the first time in a long time when he actually seemed like a real, true serial killer. And you can see the fear on Julius Tile's face when he killed uh, Cole. I thought that she was going to leave the room even and maybe go turn him in then. So that was uh, a little bit of a turnaround for this episode, for this season. A little bit of a turnaround for this season. I'm still disappointed overall, but I must say that both Julia Stiles and Michael C. Hall really stepped up their acting game, and I hope we see more of that uh, in the next couple episodes to leave this season at least higher uh, in my opinion, than episode in season three. But, I mean, after following John Lithgow, come on. The Trinity? Man, can't get any better than that. And I think Jordan knows something about Trinity. All right, keep up the good work. Love it. Peace out. Okay, thanks for that. Um, you didn't leave your name, uh, so I can't thank you by name. But uh, you know who you are, and uh, your voicemail is very much appreciated. Uh, maybe you could drop me a line with... Uh, with your name, uh, so I can give you proper credit next time. Um, but your thoughts, yeah. Um, you pointed out that you, you liked seeing, um, you liked that scene with with Cole being killed and 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 the fear on Lumen's face. There was a, it was when I was watching it, I was trying to get something from her expression as to exactly what she was feeling, and I think. I think the fact that I couldn't pinpoint one specific emotion perhaps suggests that she was feeling a whole raft of emotions. I think she was, yeah, I think there was a bit of fear there, but she wasn't frightened. There was a bit of um, morbid fascination. I think there was a whole lot of, of different feelings and emotions and thoughts going through her head. Um, and I think, you know, I keep giving her credit, credit to Julia Stiles. Um, and, and you're right, Michael C. Hall's performance, again, was, was fantastic this week. Both of them right on the money. Um, congratulations to both of them. I'd be surprised if Hall didn't get another um, Golden Globe and Emmy nomination this, this coming um, awards season. Um, I'm glad that uh, this latest episode has turned your feelings around about the season. Um, I talked maybe three weeks ago about... Um, about well <laughs> i made the mistake of considering ranking season 5 uh prematurely um 
and uh, it was pointed out by one or two listeners that um, perhaps it wasn't wasn't really a fair thing to do to judge a season before it's over and we can we can make an assessment about where we think the season's going um and 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 things have definitely been improving i would definitely put this season ahead of season three um already i i I can't see it being any worse um where it ranks amongst the rest of the seasons well we'll we'll talk about that when all said and done after episode 12 but thanks for your call if you want to get in touch with me, leave your feedback um, for Dexter, or the podcast even. Um, the listener lines are in the US, 206 350 6166, or in the UK, it's 0844 579 6949, and you enter mailbox ID 08320 when the friendly voice prompts you. That's just for the UK line. Email is dissectingdexter at gmail.com or you can reach me on Twitter at dissectdexter or my personal Twitter is at gareth underscore UK. Next time on Dissecting Dexter. Okay, quick spoiler alert if you don't want to know anything about the next episode. Skip forward a minute or so to avoid any information about the next episode. As I've said before... I hate spoilers. I don't want to know everything about the next episode. So all I'm going to be talking about is the um, two-sentence synopsis that's online. Um, so if you don't want to know anything, I'll see you in a minute. Okay, episode nine is called Teenage Wasteland. And the synopsis goes, While in the midst of hunting down their next victim, Dexter and Lumen are surprised by the return of an unannounced guest. Deborah is assigned to the file room, but still manages to uncover new evidence in the Barrel Girl case. So, Teenage Wasteland. I wonder if the title refers to Jordan's gang, and how it seems they all knew each other from way back as far as teenage years. And I wonder who this returning unannounced guest will be. Will Liddy surprise them in the midst of stalking the next gang member? I'm sure Liddy's curiosity will be even greater now he's seen them dumping stuff in the sea and I don't fancy his chances of surviving the season. And it looks like Deb takes Quinn's advice, accepts the suspension and takes a desk job for a while. But typical her not to take it easy. It sounds like she spends time researching those dead girls. And in the past, she's shown herself to be very tenacious when she has the bit between her teeth. But if Deb's stuck on desk duty, maybe Batista doesn't wade in with his report telling the truth about LaGuerta's bad decisions costing two people their lives. I hope he does, though, and maybe Captain Matthews opts to quietly relieve LaGuerta of her duties rather than make a big public spectacle of it. Centuries ago, she'd have been burnt at the stake for her kind of witchcraft. Come on, write her out! You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. Right, so... As I said, it's another strong episode this week. The season's really turned around and giving us some brilliant character stuff between Dexter and Lumen. And it really is fascinating me. While I'm again interested in Batista, yay! And enjoying the anticipation of him turning on his wife. Hang on a sec. Where the hell was Masuka this week? God damn it, what a shit episode. No Vince! Okay, I'm joking. Actually, it's a credit to the writers and the quality of the episode that it's only just occurred to me that Masuka wasn't in this episode, just as I was uh, preparing this podcast. 
But back to Dexter and Lumen. The signs are all there that their relationship, their partnership, perhaps I should say, their partnership is maybe here for the long term. Whether it develops into something more than just a revenge mission, we shall see. But at the moment, my money's on them getting a bit cosy before the end of the season. And what will Lumen do when the last of her abusers is dead? Will she have a bloodlust and want to keep going, helping Dexter follow his code? Good times ahead, I think. that's it for this week it's been another good one and can you believe we've only got four episodes left still a lot to pack in i think right so before i sign off i'll again leave you with the contact information the email address is dissectingdexter at gmail.com the listener lines in the us it's 206-350-6166 and in the uk it's 0844-579-6949 And with the UK line, you enter mailbox ID 08320 when the jovial voice asks you. Now, how about another British caller? Only one so far. Another one would be nice. (laughs) Go on, I dare you. Okay, that's it. Join me again next week and we'll be dissecting some more Dexter. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. It's been a pleasure talking to you and I'll speak to you soon. Cheers.